it is so good to have every one of you with us today. My name's Matt. Glad to be able to share with you today. And uh, right now we have many who are joining us online as well as others over in our Modern Hymn service. So if you're in the room with me right now, would you welcome in our online community? Good to have you all with us for sure. Before we jump into the, uh, the message, I want to have a little family moment here. Um, many of you have heard about, know about uh, Allison brought us Chad, our lead minister, his wife. And uh, you've heard about uh, what they've been going through over the last several uh, weeks. And uh, so just in case you don't, I'll just kind of bring everybody up to speed and give you kind of a little update. Um, the Monday of Thanksgiving week, uh, they were planning to hit the road early to go to Kentucky. And uh, that morning, uh, Allison was struggling to, to breathe. And uh, they ended up going to the emergency room uh, where uh, they had to do an emergency procedure so she could breathe. She actually did go a few moments without being able to breathe. And, uh, uh, but they, they were able to, uh, she was able to breathe immediately once they opened that up. Uh, they immediately took her to ICU in Tulsa, and uh, she spent 11 days in, uh, in the hospital, most of that being in uh, ICU breathing through a trach. And uh, uh, all the doctors, uh, Chad was telling me this uh, just yesterday, that uh, many of the doctors and nurses uh, had told them over and over she was a miracle, uh, that she was uh, still with us. And uh, so... Um, we're excited that she was able to come home, go home on Friday. Um, still has a long road ahead of her, but she is there to uh, recover and to regain her strength back with her family. So we're super happy about that. And I know Chad and Allison, they want me to convey um, how uh, much they have seen God's hand at work through all of this, uh, just time and time again. Uh, again, uh, with the doctors and nurses saying that she was a miracle, but there were just so many little things along the way uh, that they just had to give God praise. And they know, and he said it in one of his posts, that uh, God has never left our side. And so uh, so she's on the road to recovery. Um, uh, again, long road ahead. But uh, uh, there's three things I'm going to ask you to do as a church. Uh, number one, Pray. Uh, obviously, we need to be praying for her, praying for them as they go through this. And so I know they appreciate your prayers, prayers of uh, their church family. Uh, number two, I'd say stay away. <laughs> Some of you know where they live, um, but uh, with what she has gone through, uh, there she cannot get sick. And uh, with all the bugs going around right now, they've, they've asked uh, everybody to... Uh, please uh, honor that. Uh, very appreciative of that. But many are wanting to help and wanting to show um, love and support. If you want to send them a card, uh, some have asked about gift cards, that's fine too. We would ask just mail those to the church. Uh, if you brought with you today, drop it off at the hub and we will make sure those get to them and uh, that they can know that they've got a church behind them that loves them. So, uh, so again, keep praying for them as they go through this. And speaking of that, I thought this would probably be a good moment for us as a church family to pray. All right, let's do that. Father in heaven, we, uh, we do come to you and lift Allison up to you. God, we uh, have heard doctors and nurses say how she is a miracle, and we know that's only possible because of you. And so, God, we thank you. 
And God, we continue to lift her before you, and we pray that you will uh, continue to bring healing to her, continue to help her to uh, regain strength, and uh, just continue to walk with her through this journey. We pray that for Chad as well. Just continue to give him strength and give them both peace as they go through this. And so we lift them to you. We lift Alex and Addie up to you, their whole family, and just pray, God, that you would continue to walk with them. God, we love you and we trust you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, I happen to know that they are watching right now, so if you are in the room with me, why don't we just show them our appreciation on the count of three, we'll just say, we love you, all right? Here we go, one, two, three, we love you, all right? So, hope you got that, Chad and Allison, we sure do, all right. Well, we're excited to be able to launch into our Christmas season, and our Christmas series. Now, many of you you know what this is, right? And you know what it means when you hear the words, get out the leaf, <laughs> right? That means company is coming. We've got to make more room and uh, we need to get more room at the table. And if your family's like our family, uh, a leaf doesn't even quite do it, right? You've, you're putting the card table out front. Maybe you've got another table in the living room or in the garage or out on the patio if the weather's good enough because you've got to make room. You've got to make preparations because company is coming. And uh, here at First Church, uh, we love Christmas, and there's been lots of preparations being made for this, this season, this celebration that we're going into. Many of you have been a part of that, and you've helped with the decorating and everything. Thank you to everybody who's been a part of that with us. But as we uh, get ready to celebrate Christmas, as we begin to celebrate Christmas, we want to make room for guests, of course, as people are coming into this place but more importantly, we want to make him room. That's the, our series, is, is to make him room. We want to make room for Jesus because often in this season of Christmas, with all the busyness, all the planning, all the parties, all the joy, all the stress, sometimes Jesus gets left out of this season that's supposed to be all about him. So this Christmas, as we walk through this series, we want to be challenging ourselves, looking at our own lives and asking that question, am I making room for him inside of my life with all that I have going on? So this Christmas, let's make him room. I heard a story not long ago about a grandma who had uh, kids and grandkids scattered across the United States. And so she decided for Christmas, she was going to send each of them a card with some money in it, right? And some of you've probably done that for those relatives that aren't able to make it home for Christmas. And so she just planned on doing that for all of them. And so she went to the store and bought the cards and went by the bank and got the cash and, and went home and put them all together and then went finally to the post office where she stamped them and mailed them. Later that evening when she got home, she was shocked when she saw the bank cash envelope sitting on the counter still full of cash. She forgot to put the money in the card. <laughs> and she quickly realized that all of her 
kids and grandkids were getting cards with no money that said, buy your own gift this Christmas. (laughs) I don't think those cards quite communicated (laughs) what she hoped to. That's what you call a Christmas crisis, right? And maybe you've had a, a Christmas crisis of your own. Maybe it's, uh, you know, forgot to get a certain gift or maybe a gift wasn't gonna make it on time. Maybe it's something with the food. Maybe it's a crisis within the family. Who knows? We've all probably faced the Christmas crisis, Christmas crisis here and there. When Jesus came on the scene, he created a crisis. The truth about who Jesus is and his deity creates a crisis. It created a crisis when he came on the scene a couple thousand years ago. He continues to create a crisis today in our world. And so today we want to uh, launch into the series and we're going to be looking at uh, John's gospel and how he starts his gospel because he starts his gospel different than, than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as you read through those gospels, they tend to share the evidences of the deity of Jesus. A lot of the signs and wonders surrounding his birth, surrounding his genealogy even. But John starts his gospel simply by saying, Jesus is God. (laughs) And he makes it very clear. He doesn't start with a manger. He starts before the creation of the universe. And so we're gonna be over in John chapter one, starting with verse one, and we're just gonna walk through these first few verses of his gospel. And he begins by saying, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John uses that title word for Jesus because he was the spoken word of God, yet at the same time, he was the visible word of God. He didn't bring the gospel message. He was and is the gospel message for our world. And, and so John, just in those first two, two verses, he points out three different characteristics about Jesus. Jesus is eternal, he says, He was there in the beginning. Before anything had come into existence, he was already there. He he is eternal, being there at that beginning. Jesus was in coordination. Jesus, the Son, was in coordination with God, the Father, at creation. John points that out twice here, that all things were created through him. And finally, when he says the word was God, he's saying Jesus is God. He's deity. He goes on, verse three, he says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. All was made through Jesus. Paul says something similar to that over in Colossians chapter one, verse 16. He says this, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Through Jesus, everything that exists 
came into being. This universe with the some 100 to 200 billion observable galaxies created by him, the planets, the earth, everything on this earth, in this earth, everything came into existence through him, through Jesus, for Jesus, for his glory, because he is God. Let's keep going, verse four. In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus is the source of all life. Jesus is, or life is a, is a major subject in, in John's gospel. He, matter of fact, he uses that word life 52 times through his gospel. He even closes his gospel with this verse, verse 31 of John 20. It says, but these are written, everything that I have written in, these, in the previous pages, these were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have, there it is, life in his name. Like the Torah was the source of life for the Jews, that the law of God. Now Jesus, the word of God, is the life-giving source for us in our lives. One commentary put it this way, that Jesus is the basic energy that makes possible the entire world, not only the existence and activity of human individuals, but of all creation. He is the source of life, real life. And I think that's why John says over in John 10, 10, that Jesus came, that or Jesus said in John 10, 10, that I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. I have come that you might have real life. He's the source of life. Look at the rest of verse four there. Look at that again. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. He describes a little more clearly what that life represents. That life that Jesus offers is, is illuminating in the sense that he has shown us how to live, what real life is. His life displayed the standards, principles, power, and purpose by which we are to live. That's why later Jesus would say this over in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you wanna see the world from the right perspective, you need the light of Jesus inside of you. If you wanna know and follow God's will for your life, you need the light of Jesus inside of you. If you want to have a life that illuminates this world, you need the light of Jesus inside of you. You need to walk with him. The light of Jesus is powerful. Look at verse five, it says this, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. That when it says there the light shines, that Jesus shines, it, it says literally that the light goes on shining. Jesus continues to shine into this world. Though, though all kinds of things, including our enemy, has tried to extinguish the light of Jesus, he goes on shining. He doesn't stop shining. He continues to do his work inside of us and through us and in this world. When we sin, he still shines. 
When there's er ignorance, he still shines. When there's arrogance, he still shines. When there's death, he still shines. When there's war, inflation, politics, crime, he still shines. When there's anxiety, depression, disease, he still goes on shining in this world. Nothing has and nothing will extinguish the light of Jesus in this world. And in your life, we all come across those circumstances that seem dark and they hurt and they leave us with questions. But Jesus still shines. He wants to be there and illuminate our lives and illuminate our path. Go again, look at verse five again in the end of that verse where it says, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus gives light, but most of this world remains in darkness. When the Bible talks about darkness, generally it's speaking to the hostility and the rebellion of this world against the will of God and against God. And so when it says there that the darkness has not understood it, uh, other translations will say it has not overcome it because it is in rebellion. There's a sense of rebellion in this world and in the people in this world and in the enemy of this world against him. This darkness, this, war, this world is in rebellion at war, but he keeps on shining. In the next few verses, John begins to talk about John the Baptist and how John the Baptist came and prepared a way and he pointed to Jesus and, and he, he points out that I am not, the, John the Baptist was not the light, that Jesus was the true light. Let's skip on over to verse 10 and it says this, he, Jesus, was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. This somewhat echoes verse five that the darkness did not understand or the darkness could not overcome. John here again says, the world didn't recognize him. This is probably one of the most sad verses in the Bible. Because up to now, John has declared all that Jesus has done to bring this world into existence but also to bring this world salvation, that he would come here, but yet this world, his creation, did not recognize him, our creator. God has come into the world. He was God in the flesh, but this world, his own creation, didn't recognize him. John continues, look at verse 11. He came to that which was, which was his own, but his own did not receive him. There's one aspect of that verse that's speaking to the Israelites, his own people, that, that Jesus came. He, his ministry to, was to the Israelites. They were expecting the Messiah. They'd been living by God's law, waiting upon this Messiah to come. And so he took the message to them and they didn't receive him. They killed him. But there is a dual purpose to this verse, it's not only talking about the Israelites. When he came to his own, he also came to his own creation. And his own creation did not receive him. And today, many continue to reject him. Look, verse 12, 13 says this, yet to all who received him, 
To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or or a husband's will, but born of God. John, here he equates this receiving of Jesus with believing in his name, and there's a lot packed into those two words, receiving and believing. He's talking about the entire process of conversion that we see in God's word, that, that there's a, a, a repentance, a confession, and baptism into Christ being born by God. It is a picture of what we got to see this morning of little Kimberly, uh, Emberly making that step in her Life being born again, as John says over in John 3, when he's talking to Nicodemus, and he says, if you want to receive Jesus, you must be born again, born of water and spirit. We receive him, and when we receive him, we receive him as a father, as our father, and we become his children. Not everybody in this world, and some will uh, claim this, not everybody in this world is a child of God. Those who are children of God are those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's what John says here. He goes on, this is, in, in verse 14, this is kind of a summary verse that John gives us, but it's probably one of the most important verses in the Bible when it says, the word, remember the word, that's Jesus, he is God, the word became flesh, Jesus became one of us, he put on flesh, he was both fully God and fully man and made his dwelling among us. When he made his dwelling among us, he made his home here. This speaks to relationship that Jesus stepped onto this planet as one of us to be in relationship with us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. John, as he writes this, he's, I have to think, he's reminiscing of all the things that he had seen Jesus do in his ministry. Remember, John walked with Jesus for those three years of his ministry. He saw all the things that Jesus had done. He saw the signs and the wonders, the healings and, and the, all the miracles that he did. And he says, we, we saw his glory, this glory of the one and only. There's never been anybody like him and there's never been anybody like him since. We've seen it. He who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Oh, he was, he was from God and we saw all that he did and he was full of grace and truth. He wasn't some grace, some truth. He was all grace and all truth. He was full of grace and truth. Grace being that unmerited favor, he gave grace to those who needed grace and he brought truth. There was nothing false about him. Every word he said was truth. John goes on, verse 16, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after Another. Some translations say grace upon grace. Those who have received him, those who have placed our faith in him, we have received grace upon grace, blessing after blessing in our lives. Now, what that does not say is we get perfect lives, right? Oh, follow Jesus and your life's gonna be awesome. Not so much. But even when it's not, there's blessing, there's hope, 
There can still be joy even in the darkest of moments. Blessing upon blessing. God has come. And when we receive him, we have blessing upon blessing. Tim Keller, uh, speaking about the the deity of Jesus, uh, says that this idea that God has come in Jesus, the truth of that means three things for us, and it's crisis, grace, and hope. Crisis, that Christmas crisis we talked about earlier, crisis by definition is a time when a difficult or important decision must be made. Crisis is a a fork in the road. And Jesus' claim to be God, to be deity, created a crisis for anyone and everyone who faced that truth. Whenever I was in high school, uh, I used to love to go to a uh, billiard hall uh, on the campus of OSU. And uh, me and a couple of my buddies, we'd always go down there and we would, we would shoot pool. Don't get to do it very much uh, anymore. But, uh, and I'm sure we totally went just to shoot pool, not to look at the pretty college girls. Anyway, um, but there's an interesting thing. Whenever you play pool and you take the cue stick, take your pool stick, when it hits the cue ball, when the cue ball faces the reality of the stick, it is put into motion, right? When a person is confronted with the truth of Jesus, they're put into motion. When you look at the stories of Jesus, when you look at the times where, where he revealed his truth and when he revealed who he was and when a person was, was confronted with the reality of Jesus being the Messiah, the Son of God, God, people were put into motion. And you see three different responses generally. One was anger, right? Lots of people got angry. (laughs) Religious leaders got angry to the point of many tried to kill him, tried to run him out of the city, throw him off a cliff, ultimately put him on a cross. Others are scared. You see others that run away. (sighs) I can't be near Others bow and worship. Others, when confronted with the truth and the reality of Jesus, receive him and follow him. You see, a crisis is a fork in the road, really. When we deal with the reality of who Jesus is, we're created or we are, we are put into to a position of decision-making where we have to decide which way we want to go. And Jesus talks about that fork in the road over in Matthew. He says there, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. That's one way to go. And he says many enter through it. But small is the gate. 
and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Most make the wrong choice. The deity of Jesus creates a crisis. And maybe it has created a crisis in your life at one point, and you can point to that time when you made that decision. But maybe it's creating a crisis in your life right now. Now, not only does it create a crisis, uh, again, Tim Keller says it, it brings us to the reality of grace and, and hope. Again, grace, that unmerited favor of God. Interesting thing about Christianity, it is different than all the other world religions. In all the other religions of the world, man has to reach up, pull himself up, follow a prophet or sage that knows the way to God, go that direction, do these things, and you might get there. That's every other religion in the world. Christianity, we have a God that reached down. He came to us. His love for us led him to come down, put on flesh like, we, like John talked about and be in relationship with us. There's no other religion like that. Christianity is all about what God has done for us. That's grace which leads us to hope. That grace gives us hope. In this life, we need hope, this eternal hope, hope that's worth celebrating, not just at Christmas time. It's a hope that we ought to celebrate every day of our lives as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us. What Paul said over in Philippians 2, that though being in the very nature of God, he humbled himself and came to this earth to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's love and that's grace and that's, that's something we celebrate. And that's why we, we do get excited about Christmas here at First Church because we get to celebrate that our God, he came here. God has come. There's a story about a couple. Their names are Mary and Steve Daniels. And Steve, uh, several years ago, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And finally, at one point, uh, Mary realized she needed to put Steve in a memory care facility. And when she did, she made this promise that I will be with you every step of the way. Then came COVID. And for 114 days, she was unable to be with him physically. And I know some of you, you walked that path with some of your loved ones. And like them, you probably went to the window of their uh, home, retirement home, care facility, and put your hand on the window and tried to express your love to them in that way. That's what she did. And that was until their facility had a job opening come up for a dishwasher. And even though Mary already had a full-time job, she applied and she got the job to wash dishes in the facility where her husband was. And she got to do that a couple of days a week. And she said this at that time. She says, I actually would go in and sweep the floors of the kitchen, mop the floors, do the dishes, and then I got to spend a couple of hours with him. She said, the job was not glamorous, 
that seeing Steve for the first time in over 100 days was worth it. And even though Steve didn't understand how she had humbled herself to become a dishwasher so that she could be with him, she still would do it all over again. Even though Jesus knew that this world, most in this world, would reject him, would not understand him, he came anyway. From being God on his throne to an embryo in a womb to a baby in a manger to a man on a cross. Why? Because he loves us. He loves you. And he loves me. God has come to rescue us from darkness and give us life, real life. And because of that, we celebrate. The question today is, have you received him? Do you believe in him? Have you followed him? God has come. Let's make him room. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we thank you We thank you that you loved us so much that you you sent your one and only son into this world. God, help us not to just take this Christmas season as just another Christmas season, another time to get the family together, another time to open gifts. God, may we see this season as an opportunity to examine our lives and see to it that we have made you room. That God, we recognize the the power and the love and the grace of Jesus and the hope that we have in him. And Father, may may his life in us light us up and may we light up this world as we point people to you. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.